The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Uh That you can't be an absentee landlord. As like a landlord or, you know, like a business owner, if you're constantly gone, then things are not going to work properly. You hire people within your company to do things, to fulfill things that you're not able to, but you still have to be on top of them to manage them in some way so that everything runs smoothly or later on you'll figure out like, oh shit, you're fucked. Things are getting spooky over here. They're getting creepy. And before we get into that, that clip was from our guest of the show today, Ami Song. And she's an entrepreneur. She's a blogger. She's an author of two books. She has a collection with Revolve. And she started a blog that you all know called Song of Style. We get really real with her. I'm very into this episode. And if you're an influencer or a business owner, I think you're going to love it. So, Michael, why are things getting weird and creepy? Well, I mean, we're going into a crazy election. It's Halloween. I think there's probably going to be some full moons. It feels like every night's been a full moon, even though it's not. It just feels like it's full moon energy. Um, I'm looking at a gravestone here that you had built that said MB. Those are my initials, I guess. It's a didn't listen to wife. So um, if I end up if I end up disappearing, everybody know that it was Lauren that did it. And hold on, she- this is this is my moment that I was going to say was creepy. I had an actual gravestone built for Michael for the middle of our table. It's a home decor moment. Law enforcement's not going to have to look too far if I go missing. They're going to know. Halloween. And it's like Michael said, it says MB. And then on it, it says didn't listen to wife. And then I bought black crows from Party City and I stuck the crows to give it a really good effect. And I was thinking about putting candles all around it with candy and playing really creepy Halloween music for you to walk in. Listen, I don't even need Halloween to, to be terrified every night. You go to sleep next to you and you go to sleep with one eye open. Good. That's exactly how I like it. On that note, let's meet our guest. She's a major influencer. Like I said, she lives in Los Angeles. She is so open with her audience about anxiety and depression. And she also happens to be a cook in the kitchen with a collection with Revolve. Meet Ami Song. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. We are recording and I have to tell you, I told you I would tell you live about how I met you. So I was this tiny little blogger and I was probably like four years in blogging and we went to a reward style conference and you were a huge blogger. Past tense? More? Still still are. Still are. Still are. Huge blogger, superstar blogger. And there was a lot of huge bloggers there. And it was so interesting to me. This is when they called bloggers bloggers. Yes. they They change it up on you guys and now call it influencing. But yes, it wasn't influencing yet. You were the only one that was nice to us little fish. I remember. Yeah. I was with my friend Fashion Lush. You know what? I will actually, you and Gal Meets Glam, uh-huh. Julia. Yeah. You two sat and talked with us and we had all these questions for you and you guys answered all the questions and you were so nice. I don't remember that incident, but I feel like we. I remember you from a party at a mutual friend, your friend. 
At Weston's? Yeah. A West, Weston's. Are you playing the succession song again? What's going on? We met at Weston Mitchell's too. Weston Mitchell's was, design group. It was, a, it was a party in a warehouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was my our, our, one of our best friends and still like to this day business partners, Weston. And he had a, f- a furniture shop downtown. And it was like a very creative studio. He did all these wild parties there. Yeah. That, that's vintage. Um, okay. So just for our audience members who don't know you, I'm sure a lot of people do. Can you give us context where you grew up, how you grew up, what it was like? So my name my name is Ami Song, and I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised here. And then I started my blog, Song of Style, in 2008, end of 2008. I was living in San Francisco, going to school at the time, and then, yeah, started this blog on Blogspot. I don't know if you remember that on Google. And then transitioned into, like, Instagram when Instagram started. You stand out over a lot of other bloggers there's something about i was you. like the first asian <laughs> that's why no, it's something it's way more than that there's something about your personality that people are drawn to it's like a charisma yeah what do you Thank really you. think <laughs> when you first came into this space why people were so into you and obsessed i think it's because i was normal so when i first came on the scene there were other bloggers but they're like super like high end or like so pretty like they're not super popular or around anymore but I, I remember there were a few and then all of them were white. And I think that was different because I was Asian. And also I was in school. I wasn't rich. I mixed a lot of high and low. Like I would shop at DSW, which is the place that I used to work at when I first started my blog. I got the best shoe discounts. <laughs> and then that's where I got my first Chloe pair, um, pair of Chloe's. And then I think it's because I was working and I had a job, whereas a lot of other like bloggers or socialites were rich. They dressed like head to toe designer and I, I was normal. And I think that was what interested people because they felt like I was one of their friend. Another thing that you do that I notice is you talk very openly about all different kinds of subjects. It's not just fashion. Like you're very open with taboo topics. Do you feel like that was something else where the audience connected? Um, I think in the beginning, I wasn't super open. I only, I mean, if I, it's cringing. If I read like my very old blog post, I haven't done it for a while, but I remember a long time ago when I was uh, working on my book, uh, my second book, World of Style, I had to like compile a list of like images and blog posts and all that. And I was like reading my old books and I'm like, oh my God, it sounds like it's such a dumb girl writing in her journal and that's what I did like literally I like I would talk about like oh today school sucked I like my teacher like wouldn't give me like a week off because I finally get a chance to go to fashion week blah 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 or like I couldn't get to take the class that I wanted to or like I had to go to the internship blah 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 like I had to work on Black Friday like I would just write as if it was a journal and then when once I started getting a platform and a bigger audience I think I started editing myself and trying to prove make it seem like I was really cool because I really wanted to fit into the fashion scene so it's interesting because when I first went to fashion week I was such an outsider that people were so shocked to see me um, like people in the industry like editors or other influence I mean other bloggers at the time who were much more like respected than I was like the kind of like pioneer pioneers they were they're very catty actually I remember this one fashion show I'm not going to say which show it was but they were very clicky and I went there and they're like oh my gosh let's do a group photo and then they did a selfie and then it's just like not you and then 
the hashtag was you can't sit with us. And then you know how like when you go to a fashion show, there are like the fashion press, like Getty Images, like those type of photographers, and they always want to do like front row photos. And then they're doing a front row photos and they're all like literally, I think it was like three of them, like really like squeezing each other. And then there's me in the corner, like like smiling. <laughs> and then I remember that photo like was circling around and then they cut me off when they were posting it on their um, feed and stuff. So like in the beginning, it was tough. I mean, it was tough, but then I didn't care. So I wanted to fit in so bad with like the elite fashion. Fashion is technically elitism, right? It's like very for the elite. Not everybody can have it. And I think, or back in the day, it was like such an aspirational thing. Even growing up, I never realized that I would be able to be part of the fashion industry in a way that I am now. And I remember trying to be so cool that it was kind of annoying. I was annoying myself. And then eventually, I think like five years ago was when I was even more open. Like I was just so drained trying to have this image of being this cool girl traveling around the world. I felt like, oh my God, I'm living the life. I'm living everybody's dream. Everybody's so like, everybody's always leaving me comments saying like, your life is gold, hashtag dream, bless. Like I want your life. Whereas secretly, I was like not happy. So it felt so much more liberating using my voice to be honest about like my mental health struggles. I feel like nowadays, it's so much easier to talk about like mental health and like not the perfect life. But I, even five years ago, I feel like it wasn't something that we openly talked about, especially in like Asian culture, too. So it was very liberating. What was your childhood like to go back a little bit? Like where did you, and then like obviously like everybody fits into like some kind of like social hierarchy when they're in high school. And so like, do you like, how did you feel when you were younger? Like, were you like, were you talking about fashion then? Do you feel like you fit in? Do you feel like you were like different? Like how, like how did, how did your childhood manifest into, into this career? It's pretty much every week for my entire life that I have had a migraine at some point. And for those of you that have not had migraines, I envy you so much. It is the worst. Lauren doesn't really get them as much, but like my entire life I've had migraines. My dad had migraines and it's just something I've had to live with. For those of you that have them and you get it, they are so debilitating sometimes that I have to stop everything I'm doing. Sometimes they get so bad that they actually make me nauseous and make me throw up. And it's like, it, and it just comes out of nowhere. I could be drinking all the water in the world. I could be eating all right, but just some, for some reason I get terrible migraines. And that's why we are so excited that we just partnered with Cove. Michael is getting his migraine treatment. So Cove helps you get the migraine relief you need, and it's all online. Go to withcove.com and complete a quick online consultation. So Michael went online, he did his consultation, and then a licensed doctor will recommend a treatment plan customized to your migraine, and your prescription will be delivered to your door for as little as $10 per month. And for those of you that get migraines and know what I'm talking about, you, you also know that no two migraines are the same. They're always different. They have different intensities. Sometimes they're so debilitating. Sometimes they're just like I honestly feel like for those of you that know what I'm talking about, you just kind of learn to live with this pounding pain in your head. And with just a few minutes of your time, you get a personalized treatment plan from 20 plus research backed doctor recommended migraine medications, which really helps zone in on exactly the type of treatment that's best for you. You should also know that no insurance is needed. No trip to the pharmacy, which is huge for Michael and I. It's all online med sent straight to your door. With Cove, you can have more migraine free days. Go to withcove.com slash skinny for 
for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping with cove.com slash skinny. Spelled W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E dot com slash skinny. If there's one gift I can give you from this show, if I haven't given you one already, it's this, guys. I'm telling you, for those of you that suffer with migraines, it will change your life. Get rid of those pounding headaches. They are miserable. Enjoy. I was always different because I grew up in Los Angeles in a very white neighborhood. Asian parents are racist because they're ignorant, but my parents were very open-minded. They were so excited to come to this country. My dad came here when he was 19 and he's 65, so like he spent majority of his life in America. He met my mom in Korea and brought her over here. So yeah, they lived here for a long time. And my mom was like, felt like she was so liberated living in America, literally living the American dream. So they were very open. So I didn't really experience like, oh, don't date outside of your race, like that kind of stuff. My parents were just so open. Like I've never heard them say anything racist. Whereas I hear from other, my other Asian American friends where like their parents are very racist. So I'm really thankful and grateful for that. And then also they really wanted us to be integrated so and live like the American life. So we lived in a very white neighborhood in the beginning in the, when I was growing up. I grew up in downtown LA actually, which is so weird. When I was growing up, I was always like the only Asian kid. So I always knew I was different. Like, I don't think I realized that I looked different until I was like probably like five or six when somebody mentioned it. In the beginning, I probably was bullied a lot for my race and for being different, but eventually that me being different was like a cool thing and I embraced it. And I also realized at some point that in order to be popular, you had to be either funny or stylish or rich. <laughs> yeah, it was like a survival thing, you know, if you don't want to get bullied. So I remember all the cool kids had like the nicest, coolest sneakers in L.A. Like it, L.A. is a tough city to grow up in. Yeah. We, we talk about now that we have it. We told you we had a child now. Mm -hmm. like we think about that all the time because you could be the best parent in the world, but you're in a there's a lot of people around here. It's like, yeah, you have a lot of like rich, wealthy people and everybody's so different. And it's like so it seems attainable, but also not attainable, right? Sure. The good thing is you, I mean, I think we're also lucky that we live in America where anything is kind of attainable. But then again, if you're not able to achieve that, you kind of feel shame or you don't feel, sometimes you can feel less than, right? So if you're living in a country like, I guess, like Sweden, where it's such a, everybody's so equal, Maybe you don't you don't feel so much of that. But then again, when everybody's so equal, it's hard to really stand out, right? Whereas in America, we're all so unique and so different. So you can literally, you can go from like nothing, have a single parent, um, single mother and become the president of the United States. That can't happen in like places like Italy or something. Like I didn't grow up with money, but I, at a young age, I saw like the social class difference and like the haves and haves not. It's so like in your face, especially if you live in downtown LA. We lived in a really nice apartment in downtown LA, but a block away, it, literally there's like a homeless shelter. And I grew up seeing that. And I, I remember seeing like the haves and haves not. And also like within my community or my neighborhood or the school I went to, there was a lot of that. So I always wanted to be part of the haves, not the haves not. You know, and I don't know if that's a good thing either, but it did give me ambition, the drive. You have a lot of drive. <laughs> Definitely more drive than a lot of people. 
Can you speak on that? Like, is that from childhood? You said it's a little bit from childhood. Is it from other things? Is it from just a bunch of events that add up? I I do have a lot of drive. I think it's because I wasn't given things when I was growing up. So when we were growing up, uh, my my dad went through financial hardship. So, I mean, in the beginning, a lot of immigrants who actually come to America, if you're able to make it to America, that means you come from money somehow because you you were able to afford that plane ticket. But then again, once you come to America, you're like at the bottom pole, you know, like you're the bottom of the bottom. So I I don't know exactly my dad's background, but my mom's side of a family, like she comes from money, but she came to America. It was like culture shock, whatever. And then we had we went through a lot of roller coasters. Um, there were times where my sister and I got like such a good childhood, like great memories. But then again, there are times where we went through a lot of financial hardship, which was so hard on us in a way where like literally <laughs> it was it was like a roller coaster. So I remember one time, well, there were several years of this where like on Christmas and Thanksgiving, I was one of the kids where we didn't have a family because we had a broken family. So we didn't have like a big family. We don't have relatives. It was just my sister and I on There were so many Thanksgiving and Christmas where it was just my sister and I, and sometimes my dad. So before going to school, split up. Yeah, my parents were divorced. Um, I can't remember exactly when they got divorced, but because I was old enough to be aware that it was such a shameful thing that I didn't get a present, unfortunately, or like such a nice present. So I was in my mind thinking of a thinking of an excuse. What am I going to tell my friends when we were going back to school and everybody's like wearing all these cool clothes and cool things, talking about their vacations that they went to. I was already, I think I was like 12 or 13. I was so young and I was already in my mind practicing what I was going to say so that I don't feel embarrassed and shameful. So I think I, I think those type of thing events had, you know, that's what led me to be so like hardworking. I started having a full-time job since I was 16 because I wasn't really handed things. But I think it's also because I saw the haves and haves not. I like amongst my friends, like I didn't grow up in a poor neighborhood. I grew up in a good neighborhood. I went to a good school. But then again, there it was a mix. At one point, there were times where literally uh, we didn't have food to eat, like absolutely nothing. We have $5 for one week. So I had to make a last for my sister and I. And then I remember like Thanksgiving, Obviously, we didn't have food to eat. So like my friend from high school, Sam Shin, if you're listening to this, (laughs) thanks. Our friend from high school literally would go to church, bring us leftovers and cooking foil. And then like, we'll eat that with my sister and I. And so that was like so normal. My life was so interesting where that I didn't experience just one thing. I was able to experience like the best of the best, and then the worst of the worst. It sounds like you took care of your sister a lot. Is that correct? Yeah, because she was younger. She was so young when, like, my parents were going through things. So, yeah, it was, like, my parents weren't really around, so I had to take care of my sister. And do you guys still have a close relationship today? Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, I think it's really good that you tell this story because I think at this point in your career, people, there's a lot of people listening that probably look to you and be like, wow, like, like they aspire to do what you have done, right? They aspire to have the success you've done and to pay you a compliment. Like I remember reading, was it the Laura Mercier deal? That was like the, one of the first huge influencer campaigns that really like set the term influencer marketing on the map. And like, I think that you were a huge part of that because what you did was you signaled to an entire industry that like 
these types of creators like you and Lauren were actually meant to be taken very seriously. And we've seen like what's happened since, but you were one of the first people to have like a national campaign with a massive brand. It opened up space. Like you're saying what you did was like such a bold move for influencers everywhere. Like it wasn't just for you. Like it set the standard for many people in your space to be like, oh shit, like this is a a real career path. Um, But I think it's great that you talk about some of your past because like I said, there's probably a lot of people that look at your feed and look at you now and like don't realize what created the drive behind someone like you to do what you've done. And I think like that's one good thing about when you look at America, it's like, you're right. Like that story can, it can exist in other places, but like it really can exist here. Like you can come from very humble beginnings and do what you have done and actually build a massive platform that's literally based just on you. I think a lot of people that listen to this, like we always talk about on this show where it's never as easy as you think it is. And I, maybe you can talk a little bit like, what it's taken to get the brand here. And I know that's a lot to unpack, mm-hmm. but like it's not, it doesn't just happen like one day you don't just go viral and then you're like, you're getting a big deal with Laura Mercier. Like it, it takes a ton of work. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people always try to ask me like, how did you get a platform? How did you get all these followers? But you have to know that it took 10 plus years. Now it's it 12 years now, right? Yeah. It's now I'm on my 12th year. So not to, not to age us or anything. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it took 12 years. So, you know, like, and I'm still working on it. Like, how do I use my platform, my voice, my purpose in a positive way that's not only just self-serving, but serving for the universe? And what is my purpose in life? Boy, oh boy, am I excited to tell you about Function of Beauty. So here's what I did. I went on their site. And I took this quiz and the quiz lets them know all about your hair so they can customize you this amazing product. And then after the quiz, the team determines the right blend of ingredients and they bottle your custom formula to go. I am obsessed with this because everyone's hair is different and it's not a one size fits all situation. You get your formula delivered straight to your door in a cute customized bottle, like I said, with your favorite color and fragrance. I picked the teal. It's like this blue teal. You can pick any fragrance and they print your name on it. So mine says Lauren on it. This is really, really valuable for me because I just dyed my hair more blonde. So I was able to get a formula that was really hydrating for my hair, but also color safe. What I noticed personally about the formula after using it is that it really fit with my hair. So my blonde was looking ashy still. My hair was looking hydrated, silky. I even was psycho and brought it to someone who was blowing out my hair. I said, can you use my customized formula when you blow out my hair? He thought I was crazy, but he did it. I am also a huge fan that their formulas are vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. That was very important to me as well. But the thing that like just got me about this brand is, like I said, it's customized to you. Michael has a totally different hair concern. He has so much hair. It's shiny already. So he needed a different formula than me. And you can pick your colors so they don't get mixed up in the shower. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com slash skinny to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% off your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash skinny for 20% off and to let them know you heard about it from our show. That's functionofbeauty.com slash skinny. I want to know behind the scenes pre-COVID of what 
the song of style life is like. Like, I know there's no just one day in a life, but give us, say, you're traveling on Friday and you've got all these deadlines. Like, what time are you waking up? What time are you going to bed? Walk us through. It's so crazy. So for the past, I want to say, like, five years, I was traveling 300 days out of the year. So almost every airline, I was, like, the highest. It's like a DJ. That's like a big, high-performing DJ. I was, like, literally the highest level of every airline. It's insane. Like, apparently, and, like, I didn't know this, but on Delta, there's, like, this secret thing and American Airlines, and I was part of that. Like, I was just, like, the elite of the elite of the mileage, mile clubs or whatever mileage, whatever it is, because I traveled so much. And, like, the past five years, I literally, like, one week I'll be in, or in within one week, I I one time I remember I was in three different countries, Paris, Italy, and Japan. Oh, that's a big trip. Yeah, like Paris, really no, no, that's not yeah. too big of a deal. But then Japan, like, yeah, that's yeah. So like in one week, and then within that first month, I think like five different places, like Korea and then America. I didn't realize it how much traveling took a toll on my health until like I stopped traveling. I'm like, wow, I'm so healthy right now. <laughs> like I'm going to the bathroom regularly. Like I I'm getting my period regularly. I wasn't getting my period. For like six months last year and I had to do all these tests and nothing was wrong. And I think it was like all my travel Your schedule. Your circadian rhythm was probably so completely off. It didn't yeah. even know what time zone you were in and where. And I'm speaking mm-hmm. on periods because no, I'm not speaking you, on periods. you don't know anything about periods. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know anything about periods, but I do know about like when you're switching like time body, zones yeah. that quick, it's like your body was probably so confused about like what the normal rhythm was. Yeah. And I was, I try to be as healthy as I can. I mean, I like, I try to eat as healthy as I can, even though I like, like to indulge, but still like some, I knew something was wrong with my body and then. I think it was a travel. Um, Yeah, I was just traveling so much. I think, like, sometimes I'm like, it was only February. (laughs) Up until February, I was living this life. And it's just so crazy. I didn't have a routine. I didn't have a workout routine. I woke up in the morning in different times. Sometimes when I come back from my trips, I would be so exhausted I would want to sleep for two days. But then again, I can't because I also have my Song of Style brand and I have a team. So like this is something that I talk to my therapist a lot that you can't be an absentee landlord. As like a landlord or, you know, like a business owner, if you're constantly gone, then things are not going to work properly. You hire people within your company to do things, to fulfill things that you're not able to, but you still have to be on top of them to manage them in some way so that everything runs smoothly or later on you'll figure out like, oh shit, you're fucked. <laughs> and, just, and just to lead because like in any organization, anything, like people want to be able to point to whoever's leading that organization, say like, what's the direction? Like, where are we going? And if you don't have that, people kind of flounder around like, what, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And I think it was really hard for me. Um, I've worked with a lot of incredible people because it's only been like five years that I started like actually hiring people. So the first five years I did it all on my own um, would ask people to take photos of me. But I think it was like the past five years where I really started taking Song of Style as a business and my name, like all of that as like a personal brand and business and actually taking everything seriously. So um, I went through like different people that I work with. And then I was not a great leader because I was always gone. I mean, how can I lead (laughs) if they can't communicate with me? And then I think from the outside, it just seems so fabulous and amazing. Like you're just always traveling, you know, but behind the scenes, it's also hard because sometimes you always have to be on, you know, I don't know, 
just like think of it like this way. Like if you're having a wedding or a birthday party and you're the host or the actual person everybody's throwing this event for, you're always on talking to people and then just being energetic and all that. But with like fashion, I know it sounds very like frilly to some people because I know there are people dying out there and stuff, but you just have to be on and I have to be my own advocate as an influencer because when I go to like shows, I am my own advocate. When I'm meeting people from brands and PR, like I'm pitching myself, you know? So I think at the end of the day, sometimes it gets really exhausting after being on for so long. When you say you were traveling, were you traveling with brands and doing partnerships or were you traveling for a mixture of your own pleasure? Like, or does it all work? Mostly work. So I would always travel like last, yeah, the past, five years or longer, like I was always traveling for work. But a lot of times my work travels are amazing. Like they feel like vacation, except that I have to Instagram, I have to post things, um, I have to share with my followers, I have to take content, all of that. But last year in August was the first time that I took a trip with my boyfriend, my Italian boyfriend. We took a trip where we didn't work. It was just for us. So even before when I was taking going on a trip, it was a trip, but I was still documenting. I was still like filming YouTube videos or like taking photos. I'm like, oh, like when else am I going to go to come to Colombia again? Like I remember this, like I think it was like two years ago. I went to Colombia for my birthday and I'm like, this place is so beautiful. I want to take every photo. Jacopo, like my boyfriend, I was like, it's my birthday, so you can't complain about taking my photos. Okay, let's do two outfits today because I did my makeup already. And then now that I think about it, that was enjoyable for me, but not enjoyable for my boyfriend. He had to like take my Well, you my know, photo. it's funny. Like I think because um, we've had we have similar backgrounds here, but Lauren and I got to a point where like, okay, it's either a work trip mm-hmm. or a no, pleasure he trip. He will not take one photo. No, no, but, 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 <laughs> I can't get but, this motherfucker no, to take sure. one photo I'm the worst Instagram boyfriend of, of all time. I'm the worst. Um, I, it's like the worst. That's I've the never smartest yeah, yeah. though See? for you to be bad so that I she doesn't ask so you. Low. I'm so bad. She doesn't even want me to do I it. did find a new tip though where you can turn the phone on selfie mode and he, and I can position well, myself how I want and he just presses this. Well, you're good for something. But I think, you know, like we had to distinguish now. It's like, okay, if it's a work trip like we both put our heads around like we're here to work but now when we go like a pleasure trip it's like we separate like we don't work with any hotels we don't do any campaigns because we realize like it wasn't enjoyable to try to blend work and pleasure together because you know like creating content like you don't even have a chance to enjoy each other then or enjoy the experience because you're just working and creating content and people think like oh well you're going to be in these great places which is yes it's a benefit and it's nice and like very grateful for it but it's almost like you're experiencing those great places in the wrong way because you can't Mm -hmm. even stop to really enjoy them was it lonely when you're traveling so much 300 days a year there's got to be times when you can't bring anyone that must be sort of lonely no i was always able to bring somebody you always had someone with you. yeah because it's a work trip so that's nice at least you get to bring somebody Quick break to talk about ShipStation. Personally, I am sending out pop sockets, stickers, giveaways, all kinds of stuff. And what has streamlined that process is ShipStation. As many of you guys know, Michael and I have other businesses outside of the Skinny Confidential and Dear Media, and one of those is Woo. And what we do is we use ShipStation as well. We get asked this question a lot. So if you're selling on Shopify or Amazon or eBay or even your own website like us, then you need to check this out. ShipStation basically brings all of your orders into one simple interface. Before ShipStation, it was so confusing. It was all over the place. It was not easy to manage. And now it's just all on my cell phone with the click of a button. 
button. And if any of you are sitting out there and thinking 2020 is the year to launch an e-com business and you're wondering, how am I going to get all these orders out to all these great customers that I'm going to acquire? ShipStation is the answer. Like Lauren said, it is the most effective solution. No wonder it's the number one choice for online sellers. You should also know that ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even International. So you're good to go. All your bases are covered. Another thing that I really like is that they offer big discounts on shipping costs. The other day, I was sending something out regularly, and I couldn't believe how much it was compared to ShipStation. And right now, the Skinny Confidential listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code SKINNY. Make sure your business can meet the demands of this massive online shopping season. Get started at ShipStation.com today. All you have to do is click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SKINNY. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code SKINNY. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. The hard part was sometimes I would get these anxiety attacks. Because, like, whatever I'm going through mentally, personally, like, you know, and then you're in a public place where you have to pretend like everything is fine. You're getting your photos taken. I remember I I think I got, like, two or three major anxiety attacks. Well, not major, but, like, pretty bad where I felt like I couldn't breathe and I started breaking out in hives. And that was hard, you know, because, like, I wanted somebody with me. Like, my boyfriend can't travel with me all the time because he has his own thing. And... Like, I wish sometimes, like, I, I mean, I think you always wish what you don't have. Like, I I envy your guys' relationship that you guys are able to build something together and work on it together. But I'm sure that comes with a different cause, like, always fighting or whatever. Do you want to talk about (laughs) QuickBooks at 1130 at night? Because I don't. Yeah, so, like, I'm sure it's a lot of that, you know? Like, I, because I see my friends who have their husbands and partners who are constantly traveling. And they seem like it's so easy. But then again, I also see the other side where... They do these beautiful like kissing photos and like posing and then they never talk the entire time. They're just literally we're at a dinner and they're fighting the entire time and they can't enjoy the dinner. Whereas I don't have that pressure. So I remember when I was going through that anxiety attack, I was alone with my then assistant. And because my then assistant was so young too, like it's not like she couldn't comfort me, you know, like she doesn't know what's going in my mind. And I'm her boss. so I want to be strong for her. Yet I was inside like dying and I couldn't breathe. And I was like so stressed. Um, And it was manifesting in like very negative ways. So those times I feel so lonely. But then again, now, like, I'm much better because like, I um, regularly do therapy, like, I'm much more aware. When did you start doing that? Uh, I started therapy probably like a year and a half ago. What are some other things that you do for anxiety? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, especially with COVID, that are dealing with anxiety. Do you have any things that you do rituals? Oh my gosh, I was eating a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So probably bad. I was binge eating and it was really making me feel good. You know, like I remember beginning of COVID. So the thing is, I had ankle surgery in February. So right after New York Fashion Week, it was my first time missing out the European Fashion Week because I had to... I had a tumor on my ankle, ankle, but it was non-cancerous. And then they had to actually remove it. And I had delayed the process because they said it was a surgery. So I was like, I don't want to do it. And I had that tumor for about a year. Like, and I was like, I don't, they were like, it's a benign tumor, but it's going to grow and it could attach itself to something and it could be bad. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Until my ankle started really hurting. And then they're like, yeah, you actually surgically have to remove this and you cannot travel or be anywhere for two weeks. So that's (laughs) 
So I I started getting kind of anxious in that February because I felt like I was having a little bit of FOMO because everyone is traveling and every it was my first time missing like the Paris Fashion Weeks and everything and people were like why are you not there why are you not there and I'm like well I did ankle surgery and I didn't want to get too much into it and then I started feeling a little anxious not being able to work out not being able to travel like I've never been in LA for two weeks not doing anything so I started eating a lot ice cream binging a lot. And I thought that was making me feel better. I, it was actually. It felt really comforting. Like, oh, this is delicious. I'm gonna watch TV. And then that turned into like gaining a lot of weight. And I've always pretty been skinny. But I think as women, we always have body dysmorphia, right? Even at my thinnest, like I'll look at my older photos where I was like so skinny and thin. I, I did not feel thin. I always felt like, oh, I don't feel. It's so weird. Yeah, it's and so it's so sad, up. right? Yeah. It's so sad. I feel so bad for like my younger self. I'm sure you feel that way too, Totally. Right? I look at pictures, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I thought I was chubby here. Yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, and it's so sad. This um, person that I know, acquaintance I know, she has like a nine-year-old daughter and her nine-year-old daughter was telling her mom that she needs to do more squats. And I was like, that's so sad that... As, at a, as a nine-year-old, you're already aware of the bodies. Why can't we just be kids and just accept all bodies? Like we all say, like, let's love everybody. But it's so hard, you know, it's so hard to unprogram all of that. What society tells us is beautiful. How do you deal with assholes on the Internet that try to call you out on your photos or come into your DMs? So, yeah, when I first gained a lot of weight this year, because my arms and legs are still skinny, but I was having like a little stomach, like a pouch. People were like, are you pregnant? Oh, oh my gosh. Like, and then let me just make a public service <laughs> announcement to everyone. You don't ask someone if they're pregnant. It, it's rude, it's condescending, and it's self righteous. Yeah, Anyone unless that they is say it. That, yeah. You're, you're an ass. Like, can we just make a public service announcement on all that? And if you're a guy and you're asking a woman that, I mean, I don't, I'm gonna, like, what if I just came up to you and said, is your dick big or small? Well, I would, yeah, I would be like, oh, okay. Like, let me, I would say, let me, let me show you over here. <laughs> It's so rude to ask someone that. It is, because you just never know, right? But the internet has created a space. I mean, it's so amazing for so many things, but also like you know, it's there's good and bad with everything. Yeah. But I like mean, it's yeah. also created this weird like I talk about this and I you know, we're all probably a similar age. Like when we were kids, you know, it took guts or balls to come up to someone and just say what whatever you wanted to say. Like people didn't do that, you know? And I and I, I think you shouldn't have drank the smoothie before think, this no, interview. This Every time a, you drink the smoothie, little, you get something in your thing. throat. But I think now it's like the internet's created this place where people feel they can just say anything without any filter because they're hiding behind a screen. And it's like, would you really just walk up to somebody and say that if you weren't behind a screen? And I, I, I think not. Like most people wouldn't. Um, and that's one thing that I think needs to be contextualized here for everybody on the internet is like most of the people that are are that bold to just say something mean or rude, like they're actually cowardly and would probably never do that in real life to your face. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just like a context So, go, to so people were dropping in your DMs asking if you were pregnant. Yeah, I got annoyed. I'm like... I already know I gained weight. I can't fit into my jeans. And I don't need people to keep on asking me if I gain, uh, like, if I'm pregnant um, and all that stuff. So that was really stressful. Um, and then I started getting so insecure. And then COVID happened. My leg was finally healed, but COVID happened and I couldn't travel anymore. It affected everybody. And I feel for the people who, like, like the essential workers and people who lost jobs and who really like where their lives were really, really affected because I am in a privileged place where I was I was affected, but not to that extent, right? I'm able to live in my nice house, have food, not worry about life or death or paying my bills. So 
I feel grateful for that. But I mean, yeah. So what were we talking about? We were just saying like, <laughs> like how oh, you trolls. Deal with, yeah, assholes. Yeah, yeah. Do you delete and block? Do you respond? What's your what's your like way you deal with it? Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So you've probably got some good filters now. Yeah. Like decide what to respond to and not to respond to. I'm still working on it right now, but. For every hundred comments I get, maybe it's like two or three that are negative. So I choose to see the good, but it's actually really hard because I do respond to the trolls sometimes. And then I realize that the trolls have so much like satisfaction in like talking, you know, like they just want to like be instigating and poke you. And they want to be acknowledged. Yeah. So then I'm like, I try not to acknowledge them. And I realize that if I don't acknowledge the trolls about like them talking about my weight gain or anything personal then it goes away. They, they're, I'm not lighting a fire. Like it, it doesn't become a bigger issue. I love how everyone in this industry and everyone it just in 2020 just has a blanket word for anyone that's rude on the internet. <laughs> troll. Which is troll. It's like everyone has this. This is, this well, is like Urban Dictionary. They've been called out for a long time. Like Taylor, Taylor and I used to play online video games and there was always trolls in the game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you'd be playing a game and next thing you know, somebody's like talking shit about your mom and you're like, what the hell's going on here? How is your whole life changed with COVID? What's your day to day? Do you wake up and have a schedule or is it just kind of whatever? I wake up in the morning and then I start it. So my friend, Jen Atkin, she's led a very similar life as me where she was traveling so much. And then she has this really successful business, but she is so grounded. Like she is like, I love her. She's one of my really good friends. And I love her because there are a lot of women in this industry and in general, women and men that seem like they're a champion for a lot of people. And I think with the whole people calling people out, I think Black Lives Matter movement and all that, like I think you kind of saw what was going behind people's businesses. Like a lot of great female leaders that I was looking up to, they were being called out because they were not genuine, right? Like they were not putting money where their mouth was. Whereas Jen is the opposite. And she's such a champion for women. And I actually really saw her taking steps in trying to be a better boss, better ally. Like, especially when the whole Black Lives Matter thing was happening, literally Jen started Zoom within our friends, friend group. And then she was just like talking about, like, she was so serious. Like, hey, how can we be a better ally? Like, I didn't realize about my white privilege, like, da-da-da. Ami, like, I didn't, I never realized that, you know, like, also, like, there's a hierarchy in people of color, like, all these kind of things. Like, she was just so open about it. She bought all these books and read it and all that. Anyway, so she, I look up to her a lot and I ask her a lot of things. And one thing that she does is she always journals. So she's gave me this book, uh, like a five-minute journal. So I started journaling um, since, I want to say, like, April. So I've been consistently journaling every morning. I just asked Jen, I was like... So, Sometimes I have nothing to write, so I just say how I feel in the morning, but I feel like it's like a dumb thing. Is that fine if it's not like deep? Hey, journaling dumb things is exactly how you got your start, so nothing's dumb. Yeah, so I'm like, it's not very insightful, but yes, I'll journal. I drink my coffee. I drink my water. And then if I feel like it, I'll work out. I was working out. like I was going on runs for a little bit or going on long walks, but... I haven't really been doing that. Right now, I'm playing a lot of tennis. I also have like a schedule. It's not like super strict anymore. So a lot of my team, we're all working from home. And then sometimes we meet like once a week or every other week. So whenever we meet, we like shoot content, do the things that we need to do. And it seems like everybody's so much happier working from home. 
Like my team has told me how much they love working from home and how much more productive they are. And I feel like I'm in a better mental space. Yeah, too. I think to a degree, the only thing I worry about here with your media, because we have a, a lot of people and I think like, yes, I agree. We're getting a lot of product or like productivity and production out of working from home. The only thing I worry about is a lot of young people use going into the office or meeting up with teams as like some social outlet. Cause you know, a lot of people are, you know, working in these, you know, they're in their apartments and they're sometimes not so big and they don't have a lot of room. So I always just think like, shit, like I always need to be conscious of creating a place where people can feel connected to other human beings. Cause a lot of people, you know, we're all lucky. We get to see all the different people, but um, and we get to do these conversations, but a lot of people are very isolated right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you see so much like anger and sadness in the world is because for the first time we're all interacting across these screens, isolated alone in our condos or houses or whatever. And so it's just something that I have to constantly think about. What are some productivity tips? Like, do you, are you a list maker? Are you an alarm setter? How do you have a like strategy for Instagram? Give us all your productivity. Actually, tips. I feel like I'm not good at any of those. Um, I'm, su- I'm such a Sagittarius. I wish I was a female Virgo. What are, what's your guys' sign? Aries. Gemini. Okay. I never know what I'm getting in the morning with this. <laughs> like, who, You're so lucky you have two different wives. I'm like, who's here 20, today? 20. You never who's here today? <laughs> yeah, so um, I really wish I had like an inner Virgo because they're so good with like scheduling and all that. Uh, I'm the opposite. I'm like the most lax person ever. Uh, even when we're like shooting content or video, everybody's like, dude, what's the plan? I'm like, let's just do whatever, you know? Like, But I think that makes everything more exciting. It drives other people nuts. Uh, I remember I was doing like a collab video. There's a YouTuber. Her name is Jen M. Do you know her? She's super cute. And she's a female Virgo. And she's so, she's younger than me. She's like a year younger than me. She's good with like lists. So when we're doing the collab video, it was at my house first. And then she had a whole list of plan and she's like Ami what's a plan and I was like oh <laughs> I thought we were just gonna like chill and hang out and she was like and I think I and then we went to her house to do the video for her channel and she was just so organized and I was like wow <laughs> I wish I had that in me I'm not mentally super organized I'm kind of all of the place I'm really chill so I'm like a really good travel companion because I'm like down for anything I don't care what happens but then again when it comes to planning things I'm not the best yeah. <laughs> wow, she sounds like me on that. You're so anal about You're your like, plans. You're like, I'm like, let's know. Oh I need to know what's God. going on. He yeah. has to know like the restaurant where we're getting a drink before, what time. But it's it's good probably that we're because she's the opposite of that. Yeah, it's probably good because I would probably go too crazy or she. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so- I'm super chill, like so chill that people sometimes worry about me. Like, aren't you worried? When you hire someone, what are the qualities that you look for? So, like for instance, I don't look at a college degree. That's one thing for me that doesn't matter to me. Is there anything that, that like non-negotiables that you have when it comes to employment and stuff that you maybe don't care about as much? The people that I've worked with that have worked really well with me are the ones that don't have an ego, that don't have this pre-notion of what this industry is like, and then like really nice people. Everybody that whenever I do jobs or like people meet my team, every single person says, oh my gosh, your girls are so nice. Or like sometimes I work with Jared because he's a consultant and everybody says so many great things about the people that I work with. So I think I'm so lucky in that. And I think I'm attracted to people that are really nice and kind and hardworking. Like literally, like when you meet the people that I work with, they're like every single person, even like with Revolve. So I have a partnership with Revolve where I have my own brand and they carry it. And their team 
will always tell me like, your girls are like the nicest people that we've ever come across. And so I realized that I just am attracted to nice people, like really good people. I've had instances where it didn't work out where somebody had a malicious intent and things didn't work out. But I mean, it didn't work out for a reason. What is the best partnership that you've ever had and why? I think if there's brands listening to this, maybe mm-hmm. you can pinpoint some things that just worked really well. Obviously, like growing up, my dream brand to work with was like Chanel and Louis Vuitton. So Louis Vuitton, not specifically, but Nicolas Gasquet, the designer, specifically because I was obsessed with him since his Balenciaga days. So when I got to like be one of the girls, the LV girls, it was just like literally like dream come true because they're so like particular. Other brands like so those were like my dream brands growing up. And then like partnership as an influencer, like the partnership that worked out really well for me was um, there's this skincare brand called Biosant. When they first launched, it wasn't a partnership. You know, like as influencers, we get gifted a lot of things to pr- try, right? I've always suffered from eczema, which is like the skin condition. So I can't use a lot of like skincare products. And I remember using their products and I was like, wow, it actually works. I really like this brand. So I posted on my blog And then eventually we started working together. They would give me like one-off jobs and then became a partnership. And they're just so like, I love that they gave me free reign. They're like, do whatever you want. Like, if you want to create a video, fine. Like, just do it in your own voice. And it just made me feel like, oh, this is so authentic because I truly love this brand. I was always like using it. I remember... I was using. I always use it on a plane when I'm traveling. And one of the housewife's daughter, I can't remember her name, but she was sitting next to me. She's like looking at me, like, "What are you doing?" Because <laughs> I was doing like my four-step skincare routine on a flight from New York to LA after Fashion Week. And I was like, "Try this," and she got obsessed with it. And then she started working with the brand because I asked the brand to send her products. So I like brands that give me free control, like literally, like trusting me, you know, because I know my audience the best, right? So like, and then we. We got to like earlier, I think was it this year? Yeah, I got to create a little collection of mine with Biosense. So, and then that sold out. They said it was like the most successful partnership they've ever had. Any brand that kind of gives me free reign. Like Laura Mercier was an amazing partner too, because it was their first time working with like an influencer in such a big capacity. And they let me do whatever I want to do. Like I didn't have to do like X amount of things. Literally, I could just do whatever I want to do. And I still use our products till this day. Yeah, it's so seamlessly integrated, which mm-hmm. is so important, I think. Um, your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So how does that work with work? You're so busy. You're traveling. Do you guys hang out all the time? Do you live together? What's your deal with him? We're in a long-term relationship or long-distance relationship. So he was living in New York and I was living in L.A. up until quarantine. This year, uh, yeah, so it's crazy. We never lived in the same place and we were never really together for more than the max we've ever been together was uh, a month. But it was it was all like a month total of like we were in L.A. We were like, I think, in Italy, like Rome or somewhere in New York, like all together. And it became a month during the holidays. And where did you guys meet? We met in Morocco. What? Wait. What? Yeah. (laughs) You have to tell us that story. I mean, that's an interesting place to just. That's not the answer we were expecting. A hotel. No, I found him on Grinder. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm like, okay. <laughs> that would have been so, that would have been an even cooler answer. No. Uh, he was there shooting a sunglass campaign. And then I was there on a media trip. So like 
five years ago, yeah, on a media trip. And then, yeah, so we had like three days at Overlaid. And then, yeah, I saw him on the couch, like in the hotel lobby by sitting by himself. I think we're in Asuaria. And then I saw him sitting there all by himself with his leg crossed. I thought he was gay, to be honest, because American men, we don't really cross. They don't cross, cross their legs like how I am, right? Like this. I must not be American. When you, but well, like when you're crossing your leg, don't you cross oh, yeah, like uh, this? Yeah, it's not yeah, like You don't fall. go like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've crossed your do you? leg. Like that. It depends. You it, I think like when I'm in a vulnerable position, maybe I do that, <laughs> do that cross. Because I feel like it's more common for guys to cross their legs like well, openly. It's definitely more comfortable to, yeah. to do it openly. So he not had his, graphic, yeah, but. he was crossing is like I don't know he just seems so feminine in some way and I I just love gay guys like I my therapist said I'm it's because I'm very androgynous like I'm very both um so yeah like I get along with girls that are like super androgynous too or like guys that are normally gay like usual or like if they're straight super talkative like usually they have a lot of sisters or a lot of female friends i've always been like that ever since i was little i always was more of a tomboy so yeah i saw him in the hotel lobby and i just sat next to him and said hi and then we started talking and then he was so like kind of stuck up because he was italian but he said he was stuck up because he his english wasn't good <laughs> and i think that's true too back then his english wasn't as good as he is now it is now so yeah that's how we first met favorite beauty product and maybe it could be skin and makeup that you can leave our audience with and i see your eyelashes they're looking very very long maybe no that some of them are individual so okay. <laughs> share a couple beauty products it could be okay. skin makeup, my hair. favorite is so i always use a toner i really like ahc it's a korean brand or sk2 if you want to splurge um, i like their essence and then i like i literally Love Swarovide Biosance Vitamin C Rose Oil. Like, absolutely love it. That's a good one. Yeah, like, literally anybody who's ever used it, they only have good things to say about it. Simon Orion. So he actually launched a skincare product, and he actually gifted me his whole line. And then I I was, like, kind of skeptical because, you know, he's, like, such a... He, like, tweaks people's faces. But there was this... It's called the Correction Serum where it helps with like sunspot because I used to surf I have and I'm always in the sun I get a lot of freckles and sunspots so freckles are cute sunspots are not cute and I noticed that it's been getting lighter and lighter so that's my new favorite product right now I've been using it for two months and I actually see a difference I love it I need to get that I'm influenced you are influenced yeah leave our audience with a book a podcast a resource that brought you value or that brings you value Every day I've been reading um, the Daily Stoic book. So every day it's like a different page. It's one of the best. We've had Ryan on the show yeah. a few times. Yep. So I've, I really like that. And then recently the podcast that I absolutely enjoyed was Tim Ferriss's podcast where he was talking to somebody about his like childhood trauma. And oh, he just did that, right? Yeah. I, mean, I haven't had a chance to listen yeah. to it, but I heard I it's think great. I listened to it like last week and I was like, wow, it was long, but it was like very eye-opening. And I felt like, wow, this guy has achieved so much, yet despite all the adversity he went through. And I think that's so like beautiful that he's able to use his platform to raise awareness and help other people. Anybody that's a not so super self-serving. I think I I look up to like Oprah. Like I I love all of her like talks and speeches and what she does. 
What about you? You're amazing. Um, my favorite podcast right now is Ed Milet. He's very motivational. I love his solo episodes. I'm also a big fan of Tim Ferriss. And I like Joe Rogan. I'm listening to the Miley Cyrus episode right now. I actually listened to that too. Yeah, that was great. I yeah. like Joe Rogan. I know he's very controversial, but yes. I like him that he's not like censored. He doesn't let everyone dictate what direction he's going to take. He he makes his own decisions and he's very autonomous. You know what I think about with a guy like him is like, we've done 300 of these now, mm -hmm. right? Like, and that's, it's a lot when you think about how, because this was like an hour. So it's like, it's a lot and then all the planning. But what happens is like, as you do these more and more, it's like, how do you continue to talk about new things and continue to raise new issues and, and push the envelope and also keep it compelling enough for people to continue to tune in, right? And I think about a guy like him, he's been doing it for what is it, 14, 15 years, and he's done 1,500 of these. And so, like, you know, of course you're going to be able to pick out things that are controversial, but, like, any of us would be if we had 1,500 three-hour conversations. Like, it's at some point, like, topics are going to arise and get, and especially because all sorts of different guests come through and, you know, we do this show all the time and, like, you know, you come on here, but, like, you could see there's no script. We don't know what's going to be said or how it's going to be said, and it's just, like, a natural flowing conversation. And I think, like, that's the beauty of, this medium is like you don't really know what you're going to get it's kind of like you're having dinner with someone and topics are going to come up and like not censoring this platform and ourselves i think is what the world needs more of mm -hmm. because we see what the media does when it's like five minute sound bites all edited and yeah. censored like it really it, it can become problematic for people we're here it's like people can come to their own conclusions i think it's important nowadays especially when somebody has a different opinion as yours um that not to just immediately cancel them out because like I have friends, all different backgrounds, and I keep seeing people getting called out and some people are rightfully so, but you can't just cancel them out immediately. I think that's, it's tricky nowadays. It's just literally so easy to like, okay, this person says something, we're gonna cancel them and we're gonna destroy them, make sure they lose their job. Like, I don't think that's right. I think give people the space to have different opinions, be okay if somebody has a complete different opinion to talk about it and see their point of view because we all have different walks of life. Sure. We work with a young woman named Dom Roberts, who's a social activist, um, and we actually produced the podcast too with her. And she was just on the show last, was it last week? Two weeks ago, whenever we did this. And like what she calls it is accountability culture, where instead of cancel culture, where you're just attacking and trying to tear someone down, it's like, okay, if someone makes a mistake, let's hold them accountable. But then let's also have a conversation on how they can improve and how we can all learn from it. Because if you just cancel someone, it takes a learning opportunity away from everybody, right? Like yeah. then, then you're stuck in one place and there, there's no room to grow for anybody. Absolutely. And especially as people, because our lives are on social media, and nowadays, whenever you tweet something, you post something, whatever, it doesn't disappear, right? Even if you're not famous, even if you don't have a big platform. But think about if people remembered you for your worst mistakes. You know, you don't want that, right? Like, think about when you're a kid and you made certain mistakes, you you thought differently that now you think back and like, wow, that was so not okay to do that or be like that, but you're forever branded for that mistake. I think that's so wrong. There has to be, too, a road to redemption. Like, for me, if someone does something really fucked up, I think it's almost it would be cool if we could see how they get better. Mm -hmm, absolutely. In, in front of our faces, like what are they reading? What are they consuming? Do they have someone helping them like a therapist or a tutor or something? Like how can how can we watch that person sort of learn? And I agree with you. Like you can't just take one isolated tweet 
and cancel someone. Mm -hmm. When we're all people connected on this, like I think like what people forget is like we're all in this together. Like it's the human race, right? Like there is obviously races within that, but it's the human race. And I think like where people get in trouble with this, I always try to think of it like what if this was my best friend or my family member and they were going through something like this? You don't just say like, hey, Uncle Jim, you fucked up, you're out. Like you're like, hey, we got to figure out how we can help this person through this or like help them learn a new lesson. And if we just cancel people, like we're never going to move forward as society. Yeah. I mean, like the human mind and how we are, it's so complex, right? And let's say you want to change somebody's opinion, do it in a way so that they want to like understand, not like opposed to your opinion, like so offended or like disgusted by how you're portraying your message, if that makes any sense. What I fear is that people like you and Lauren, and even me to a degree, get to a place where they're scared to say things. I think a lot of people are scared to say certain things. That's not good. Because then what we're doing is we're fully censoring I'm not giving that energy anymore. I'm going to be myself 100%. And -hmm. if I fuck up, like then I need to be called out and we can adjust. Like I am going to say what I want to say when I want to say it. People always tell other people with big platforms to use it. But if they're scared to use it, then we've taken an opportunity. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on right now. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because there's just so much noise out there. So it's hard to see like what is the truth, right? And I wish somebody can be like, this is all the right things to do. But it's life's not like that. Especially with social media. This is new terrain. Mm-hmm. This has not been around forever. Everyone's still navigating like what's right and what's wrong. When do you think you'll give your girl um, an iPhone or like... I'm going to lock her <laughs> on a ranch somewhere in the middle of nowhere. She's never going to learn that other people exist until... No, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I never thought about it before in my life. Lauren and I never... I mean, we didn't have kids. We talk about it a lot now. Like, what is this going to look she like? She grabs my phone at eight months all the time. They grab the phone. And that's our fault because they, they see it. You know what else is crazy is you think, oh, I have like a year where I can be on my phone in front of them. At like two months, she's looking like, why aren't you paying attention to oh, me? Oh, wow. So now I've decided that I have to say, I'm working like to let her know that it's not that I'm ignoring her. It's that I'm working so she can separate the two, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to be um, like super conscious to not be on it all the time around her. Can you really quickly to pimp out your clothing line and everything you're doing right now? Your book. I have your book, Capture Your Style. You just wrote another one. Can you just sort of pimp yourself out, share your Instagram handle and everything? Yeah, sure. Um, so you guys can follow me at Ami Song. It's spelled A-I-M-E-E-S-O-N-G. It's Ami, not Amy. My clothing line is called Song of Style. Usually a lot of things get sold out. <laughs> But if you're fast, you can get them on revolve.com. And then your clothing Instagram is at Song of Style. Yeah, okay. it's at Song of Style. Perfect. Yeah. And I also want to pimp out all the people that I work with, like Jared, Maggie, Patricia, and the incredible team at Revolve, and my managers, Vanessa, Claudia, and Alexa, because they're incredible people to work with. Like, I'm so lucky. That's cool to pimp out your team. I yeah, love it. I love my team. I'm so, I'm like, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. Thank you for coming on. You can come back on anytime. Thank you. you, (laughs) I want to meet your guy. Hey, 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 don't go yet. Do you want to win some cute, cheeky, skinny, confidential swag? To win, all you have to do is head over to my Instagram at the skinny confidential and tell us who you want to see next on the show. We really want to make sure that we're in touch with you guys about who your favorites are. Do you want to see another reoccurring guest or someone new? Let me know on my latest Instagram. And on that note, we will see you next time. 